Porn Free Radio, episode 182, How Successful Guys Overcome Shame. Before we get started today, guys, a quick announcement about Rev Group Coaching. We have some new spots available in January 2019 uh, for guys who want to join a Rev Group. Now, Rev Groups are full of consistent, safe, hope-filled people who get it. Um, And if you're struggling in recovery, it's usually due to the fact that you have a lack of consistency. Um, You haven't taken ownership with your plan. You're having trouble following through on commitment, or you're just not showing up. And uh, so Rev gives you a chance to show up with other guys who are committed and consistent. Uh, It's a safe group where you can really uh, be known, where you can share your story, and where you can find hope-filled people. Uh, There's guys in the group who are working plans. Uh, They're getting sobriety. They're starting to move forward and live porn-free. And you can catch on to that. You can catch the hope. And finally, they get it. You know, if there's one thing I hear a lot is I'll say, who knows about this struggle in your life? And a guy will tell me, my wife knows about it. My mom knows about it. My pastor knows about it. My father-in-law knows about it. And I'm thinking, wow, that sounds like a lot of allies. That sounds like people who care about you, but um, they don't necessarily get it, right? They look at you as kind of the porn guy, the guy who's struggling with porn that they have to help. Uh, But in Rev Group Coaching, you're going to meet other guys who get it. They've been there before. They've made the mistakes, (laughs) Um, been there, done that. And so there's just a commonality that we all share that just literally just bonds us together and as we move forward in recovery. And uh, there's something about, you know, being together and, uh, you know, kind of realizing we're not the only one. That's so powerful. So if you're interested in Rev Group Coaching, I want you to go to recoveredman.com slash rev. That's recoveredman.com slash rev. R-E-V, and fill out that short application. I'll reach out to you and let you know what times are available and what you need to do to sign up and uh, take one of those spots. So go to recoveredman.com slash rev and get signed up today, and we'll see you in January for Rev. All right, let's start the show. Porn Free Radio. Gentlemen, you're listening to me right now. You and I are together. I'm there. I'm in your headphones. I'm in your stereo, your Bluetooth, whatever. We're there together. You know, I'm on the treadmill with you or wherever you are at right now. That's the best part about a podcast. There's a community aspect to it. I'm going to break that down. I'm not going to rap for you today. Don't worry. But I'm amped up. Look, here's another way to look at it. Man, I love the hook on that song. That's good. What up? This is for motivated guys who want to quit looking at porn. And just even if you and I are in this conversation right now, I'm talking, you're listening to me. We're together. Yo. I'm saying, dude, come on, man. 
you to feel good enough. I want you to feel loved at your core. I want more for you. loved and hey your life doesn't have to be defined by your porn addiction gentlemen we're not alone in this man i love the hook on that song Ah, <laughs> uh, you know i have been so uh happy with that that little song by adam the producer um whenever i go to a um <laughs> whenever i go to a party with uh uh, friends of mine from church or whatever, they'll be like, hey, what's new in your life, Matt? How's that podcast going? How's that little hobby that you do? And I go, well, it's it's pretty good. You know, a lot of people listen. And, uh, you know, I had one of my listeners make a song for me. And they're like, and that always intrigues people. They made a song for you? And I'm like, yeah, you want to hear it? It's pretty good. And then I play it and they're blown away by it. And I'm like, yeah, that's just one listener of Porn Free Radio. There's there's lots of other really talented, interesting guys who listen to Porn Free Radio also. Uh, but that's just one of the guys. So it's funny because they, I think sometimes people patronize me a little bit at a party. They're like, uh, how's that hobby going? You know, that podcasting hobby that you have? And I'm like, uh, I kind of do this full time now. And they're like, oh, yeah, right. But they still think it's like I'm. I'm kind of like you know. I don't know. It's funny. So I love playing that song. It it makes me feel selfishly. It makes me feel kind of validated. So thank you again, Adam, the producer, who made that great track. Well, today we are continuing our series on uh, successful guys. How successful guys overcome challenges in going porn free. And I've tried to. Uh, zero in on a couple of big challenges or a couple five big challenges that guys have so we started in last week's show with how successful guys overcome lack of motivation today we're talking about how successful guys overcome shame and then over the next few weeks we're going to cover the topic of relapsing overcoming relapsing overcoming boredom that's one that we haven't talked about a lot but it comes up a lot in coaching is i'm bored and I, I look at porn when I feel bored. So we're going to talk about why, what's the deal with boredom. And then finally, we're going to, we're going to revisit a trusty old topic here on Porn Free Radio, edging. Now, one thing I'd like to say is a lot of guys sometimes are confused by my use of the word edging. Because in traditional um, sex addict uh, recovery circles, edging implies, you know, masturbating up until the point of, of orgasm, but not orgasm. And, um, and here on Porn for Radio, of course, I mean, we, I, I adhere to that definition, but I also have expanded the definition um, to be any sort of porn behaviors where you're, you know, searching or looking for uh, stimulating types of images or content, but maybe you're not looking at the porn you used to look at, right? It's where we're kind of pressing, pushing the edge of a behavior, but somehow in our mind telling us, hey, if we don't actually look at real porn, then we're not actually, uh, you know, 
uh, going over the edge, right? And uh, it's the same idea. If I if I don't orgasm, then I'm not really masturbating. It's sort of that kind of thinking. And so we'll talk about how successful guys overcome those porn behaviors, those little porn behaviors that mimic that old uh, porn ritual that we used to have. And uh, so we'll do that in the next few shows. So uh, this week we're talking about shame. Now, I first talked about shame way back in 2014 in episode 26. Now, I don't, to this date, I don't think I've ever gotten an email about episode 26, but I think it's a pretty good episode. Um, and in that episode, the first thing I do is I talk about how shame is kind of misunderstood. And I think one of the reasons why it gets misunderstood is shame, for some reason, gets equated with religion a lot. And, um, and you, you guys know I'm a, I'm a Christian, and um, I, I get sort of the historic shame and guilt around sexuality that seems to, you know, have been a part of the church you know, or, or whatever the traditional church. Um, but, um, my experience growing up and I was, I grew up in a Christian home and a Christian church. I didn't feel particularly shame about porn. Uh, I didn't feel like I was preached to uh, on the pulpit against it. I didn't feel like, um, um, I didn't feel like I was damned to hell because I looked at it. I didn't feel those things at all. Now, I had a ton of shame, though. Um, and I totally had this experience of of feeling like, um, you know, I had this secret. And uh, my friend Jay Pyatt, who's coached with me, um, said this one line. He said, no one had to tell me I had a secret. It's like the moment I saw porn, I totally agree with Jay here. The moment I saw porn, I was like, oh, this is a secret that I have to keep to myself. Now, was that religious shame? I don't think it was. I think there was just this sense of, man, I can't tell anybody about this. So shame and guilt kind of get convoluted a little bit and and sometimes in discussions about pornography especially with with uh you know secular um psychologists and things like that you know they're they're really worried that that our that religion is creating this sense of shame but i i i didn't experience that i had shame but i don't think it had to do with my faith now what I think it had to do with was um, something that happened to me early on that made me somehow feel not good enough. And I've talked about this before. There was a, a trauma in my family, uh, no one's fault. And uh, I think after that trauma, there were some things that I internalized about myself. Um, there were some places where I became self-dependent. Uh, where my parents kind of missed me a little bit. And my parents were going through their own grief and mourning uh, after this uh, trauma. And, you know, so there was just some some a, a gap for me. 
And what it led to was a sense of feeling unlovable. And that really is what I think is more akin to shame. It's that sense of being broken, that sense of uh, being internally kind of hopeless, not good enough. Um, that's, that's kind of what shame is. And shame you know, says, hey, stay alone here. Don't show anybody this part of yourself that doesn't feel good enough. You know, try to hide, uh, try to hide the fact that you're not competent here or try to hide the real you. Because if, if people saw you, if they really saw who you were, um, they wouldn't love you. And, you know, shame has been written about a lot. I mean, Jung, um, I saw a quote by Carl Jung, the famous, uh, uh, psychologist, you know, he says, uh, He says, shame is a soul-eating emotion. You know, so once shame gets in, however it gets in, it eats away at us in the inside. It it makes us feel disqualified, illegitimate. And I'll talk about the connection between shame and porn in a second, but I just want you to know, shame in general, once it gets in, it, it starts affecting us from the inside out. It starts, um, um, what was another thing I read? Um, not decaying. It's, um, shoot, I think it was a Brene Brown quote. Let me look it up. Wait, it wasn't uh, Brene Brown. She might have said something like this, but uh, um, I was thinking about shame, and, and I think I might have read this. Maybe I, maybe I wrote it. Maybe I read it from somewhere else, but... Someone described it as corrosive. I think that's a great word. It's this thing that once it gets in, it starts corroding us, you know, just like uh, uh, just like a disease or something that, uh, you know, a corrosive chemical that gets um, on metal and just starts rusting or starts uh, degrading the strength of the metal. I feel like that's a, a great word about shame. So we're talking about how successful guys overcome it. So the first way that they start to overcome it is recognizing shame for what it is. That, you know, a lot of it is recognizing, hey, I have this message going off in my head that I'm not good enough, that I'm unlovable. That's, that's step one, sort of noticing that pattern. Now, we're talking about this on Porn Free Radio, so there's a connection with porn. And here's the thing that I think really gets missed. Sometimes when I'm talking to guys who are signing up for coaching, I'll say, what does porn cost you? And they'll talk about the cost of experiencing shame. You know, they'll talk about shame, or they'll talk about anxiety. Those two, those two seem to come up a lot. Shame and anxiety. Now here's the interesting thing. I'll say, hey, you, you're obviously struggling with porn right now, and you're unhappy about it. There's a conflict with your porn use. But tell me about that shame and anxiety. Has that always been with you? How far back can you remember that those feelings? And sometimes they'll say, oh, 
I remember feeling anxiety as a small kid. Um, I remember shame. I remember this humiliating experience that happened with my parents. And I'll be like, oh, that's interesting. So anxiety and shame have been with you a long time. When did you first discover porn? Oh, 10 years old, 12 years old. Years after you had already been experiencing anxiety and shame. And so this is the question that always zings people. I'll say, did the porn cause the shame and anxiety? Or was the porn a solution for you to deal with the feeling of shame and anxiety? <laughs> and sometimes that question just unlocks a whole bunch of new ways of thinking. You know, for so long, the sense was, Porn came in, was bad, and then made me feel bad about myself, right? That was kind of the way we told ourselves. Well, the failure was that we looked at porn, and then we just, you know, had shame. But for a lot of people, the shame was there first, and porn became an outlet to deal with it. Now, does porn cause additional shame? Of course, you know, when we try to quit porn, uh, when we feel overwhelmed by porn, when we lose our confidence because we can't, um, you know, we can't stop looking at it, we feel out of control. Of course, that creates more shame, more isolation, um, more things that we feel like we have to hide. Literally, our porn uh, addiction, our porn habit, our, our porn use is usually hidden. You know, we, we cultivate patterns of hiding um, just because it's not something that's acceptable and it's not something that we're happy about. So, of course, shame is a part of it and, and, and is a result of it, a byproduct. But for many of us, it, was, it preceded our porn use. So successful guys first acknowledge this, this, this issue of shame. And if there's any place that the shame got in before porn, well, that's worth investigating, looking at, talking about. Because the first thing you need to do is be aware of it. The second thing you need to do is to start uh, not agreeing with it. You know, so if, if you felt not good enough growing up because of a message you got from dad or a message you got from mom, it's not okay as an adult to continue to, to operate under that belief that you're not good enough. You need to start cultivating beliefs um, where you do feel good enough or where you're in relationship where, they're in, where you're getting encouraged, where you're repairing that mistaken belief. You're changing your belief, actually. So, awareness is key, and then starting to um, practice, you know, uh, living in a in a new way is is, is kind of the, the 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 journey out of shame. But how does this happen? You know, how do you become more aware of how shame affects you? 
And then how on earth do you change the message? Because it spends, it's been the record, the broken record that's been playing over and over for years. And put shame and the shame, or I mean, put porn and the shame cycle of that into the mix. It's just like this is something that's so ingrained in us. It's hard to start pulling apart, you know, where we start and where shame, what is it? Where where we start, okay, where we end and shame begins, I guess that's it. You know, it's like shame in some ways is part of our identity. Uh, And that that actually, I think, is one of the most dangerous things about shame, the corrosive part of it, is we take on this identity. And what does it look like for us? We take on the identity of being passive. There's nothing we can do about this. We become hopeless. You know, we talked about being hopeless last week. You know, hopeless that I can't change. That's legitimately shame. Uh, Another thing that we do is we take on the secrets. We take on the hidden life. You know, because shame really wants to be isolated, left alone, separated. It can't survive being, you know, exposed. It can't survive in an environment of transparency. It comes alive when we are separated. So, you know, it's that identity when we live out of a place of shame, when that's where we live, it's really difficult to break out of it. So how do successful guys do it? Well, I started the podcast by talking about uh, the strength of, of, um, of Rev Group Coaching. Now, this, is, this isn't the commercial for Rev Group Coaching. I already did that. But what, it, what did I say happens in Rev Group Coaching? You know, who's in Rev Group Coaching? Consistent, safe, hope-filled people who get it. Consistent, safe, hope-filled people who get it. So how do successful guys overcome shame? They get together with consistent, safe, hope-filled people who get it. So consistency, what's, what, um, why is that important? Well, shame builds up over time. And it builds up in isolation. So the more consistent you are connecting, the less time shame has, the less time shame has to take root and grow. Think about it. If you're checking in every day with someone about your plan, about Uh, your activities in recovery, about your feelings, about any unsound activities you're doing, about any threats that are coming up. What you're going to find out is the more consistent that you check in, the less you have to sort of process because you haven't gone down the rabbit hole and been stuck for two or three days and let all this sort of shame and behavior build up. You're quickly being consistent and talking about what's going on. 
The same is true in a in a an accountability group. You know, the more consistent you see each other, the better off you are. Because if there has been a relapse or some unsound activity, you can quickly um, get connected and make an adjustment. So consistency is a big one with shame because shame thrives in isolation. So the more consistent we are connecting, the better. Now, safety, why is that important? Why is it important to be around safe people? Uh, Because in some ways, what we're trying to do with shame is we're counteracting the effects of shame by embracing new beliefs and truths about ourselves. And it's really hard, uh, a quote that I hear a lot is, it's hard to read uh, the label of the bottle from the inside, you know? And so it's hard for us to walk in this new identity of, hey, I am lovable, I am good enough, I can overcome, I can have hope. It's hard for us to do that by ourselves, But when there's others around us who are calling out the good in us, safe people who are saying, hey, that's not a true identity. You are good enough. You've been making some growth here. You know, have you ever been around a guy who's had a, a relapse or a reset and he's really beating himself up? Like he's just really going to that shame place. You know, safe people can come alongside and say, hey, listen, yeah, your plan needs a tweak. Uh, you need to get rid of that device. You need to um, do a diff- You need to make a different choice when you get in that situation again. But all is not lost. You've got thirty days of sobriety this month, and you've had a slip, but you didn't lose some of that some of that movement that you had in those thirty days. The things you learned, the things you were doing. Safe people are able to do that. Safe people are able to call out the good in us and really reflect to us, um, you know, the good parts about us and the things um, that are growing, you know, because we can be messing up and still growing. And if there's good people around us, safe people who are encouraging us, it's going to lead to longer term success. Why is it important to be around hope-filled people? We talked about this last week. You know, when you're feeling hopeless, one of the things that builds hope is being around people who have hope, who are moving forward. Hope begets hope. And um, so you want to be around people not only who are consistent. You don't want to just meet people who are, you know, you could go to a group that's consistent, that meets every week, that's pretty safe, you know, that's, that's, you know, where it's confidential. But if there's no hope, if, if people aren't changing, transforming, growing, then there's, then it's, it can be kind of a downer. I talked to, I did a podcast a few years ago about the worst, I think I called it the worst men's group ever. And I talked about a group that met every week. It was, it, we met every week and the guys in the group were you know, safe, it was confidential, but there was no hope in the group. You know, no one was growing, no one was having any breakthroughs. So, you know, in order to overcome shame, you need to be around other people who are not giving in to shame. You know, if you're in a group where everyone 
checks in about their relapse and everyone feels like crap and, and kind of walks around with their head hanging low, that's the wrong kind of group. You need people who are overcoming and having some hope when it comes to shame. And the last part, people who get it. You know, I've said this, I've said this, I said this in an email that I sent out this week. Your problem might not be porn, but it might be shame. You know, porn, I don't say this a lot, but porn is really a solution. You know, and I hate to say it, but a lot of the a lot of the popular books out there, a lot of the popular websites about porn addiction focus on porn as the problem. And I get it. It's hard to quit porn. Porn does have some harmful things about it. You know? But is it really a problem for us? It's more of a solution. So what are we trying to solve? What's the problem we're trying to solve with porn? Why are we trying to get comfort? Why are we trying to get escape? What are we escaping? What are we trying to soothe or soothe? Yeah. I had a client who called it a salve. You know, like, you know what a salve is? A salve is like you have a burn. You know, you burned your skin and you rub this sort of aloe into your skin to take away some of the sting of the burn. Doesn't that sound like a good <laughs> a good description of porn? You know, it's like you got to, there's some pain and you try to rub this stuff on to desensitize the skin, make it feel better. I mean, isn't that what porn is for us? You know, does anyone want to go do porn because you just feel evil, right? You know, some of the moral authorities related to this porn uh, challenge, you know, it's like, yeah, I think lust is a part of it. I think there's some other stuff that is going on, but man, I see a lot of guys trying to erase pain with porn. So you need to be around people who get it. They get this idea of shame. They get what it feels like to be not good enough, to, to feel sort of this lack of confidence, maybe even to know what it's like to be swallowed up in this compulsive behavior, you know, and just all the, all the consequences of that, the, the, the lack of self-esteem, the lack of, of agency, the, the passiveness, you know, all that ties into the shame. So successful guys overcome shame by being around consistent, safe, hope-filled people who get it. That's, uh, that's the way you get rid of shame. And why is that? Why are those people the ones that help us get rid of shame? Well, you know, I really feel like recovery in general is the process of going from being alone to being known. That it's as we're known, as we sort of 
sh- you know, um, show that part of ourself um, that we've hidden, um, whether it's in the addiction or whether it's in the behaviors. Um, but it's not just that part that we hid. We hid our needs, our wounds, our desires. You know, we hid some of those places where we were really hurt. And so people don't know that part of us. And so part of this journey of, of letting go of shame is going from being alone where we're isolated in our shame and in our addiction, our behaviors, our wounds, our pain, and coming into the light, coming into that place where people know us. And that really is what recovery is about. You know, one of the reasons I can speak so confidently about being porn free and even can do a podcast where I talk about embarrassing things is I don't live in that place anymore of being alone. I now live in this great freedom of being known. And even some of those things that I was embarrassed about or humiliated in the past by, those don't stick to me anymore because I've had so many more positive experiences with being known. You know, I, I, um, I think I told this story maybe last year. I got together uh, with someone in our church, a woman who's an entrepreneur. She's married to a friend of mine. And she wanted some business advice. And, you know, she knows that I started my own company and I, you know, have, have built a business. And she, she was just curious about some of the things I did and wanted some actual business coaching, which was cool. Not, most people don't ask me for business coaching. So it was neat that she saw that in me. And so I get together with her and I'm trying to be really like a good business coach, you know, and, you know, focus on her asking her questions. What are the goals? You know, what does she want to achieve? You know, kind of starting to think of my strategy. And, uh, but she threw me by something. She, you know, when I walked into the, uh, her, her living room to meet with her, she said, oh, I listened to your podcast last week. And I, I don't know what it was, but I was, I was kind of flushed with embarrassment for a moment. I tried to think, what was the podcast that I shared last week? What did I talk about? You know, did I, what did I say? You know, this is a, a, a wife of a friend of mine, you know, it's like, oh, what did she, what does she think of me? You know? And then I realized, you know what? I do the, I, yeah, I do a podcast about overcoming porn and I've struggled and I'm honest about it and vulnerable. But my identity now isn't being a porn addict. My identity isn't living in shame anymore. My identity is being known. And, and she was asking me for my expertise with, with running a business. You know, she knows me for that. She sees me as someone who's taking action and taking ownership in his life and in his business and his recovery. And she doesn't see any problem with that. And, um, and it was cool when I kind of, you know, shook off that initial feeling of, of sort of humiliation or shame, I realized, you know what, I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm living, uh, and I'm, I'm being known and that's good. And people are seeing it. And I think, you know, I get emails all the time from you guys, you know, you're always telling me, you know, encouraging me. And it's, it's like some guys I think pick up, um, maybe they've, sense that I'm down in one podcast or another. And, um, 
you know, they'll send this email to encourage me. And I think it's because they want me to know that they see me and that, that, that they're encouraging me. They want me to, you know, they want me to embrace, um, you know, the mission that I have and, um, get excited by it. And, and I, uh, that's a good reminder for me. You know, the Christian writer C.S. Lewis, he, um, he wrote this, this quote that I thought was really good. My headphones just went out while I was sharing this. So I'm like distracted by this. Hold on. Check one, check two. My mic sounds nice. Check one. Anyone remember that? A little salt and pepper. Um, okay. So C.S. Lewis, um, was writing a letter to an American and they were having a correspondence and they actually started talking about masturbation. It's a great letter, by the way, if you, if you're, you might've got it, I sent it out to my mailing list uh, a few weeks ago. And, um, you know, he has all this great stuff to say about masturbation that kind of goes past the typical, what you would think is the religious sort of stance on masturbation. Um, but he sees it as a danger. And the danger that he sees is that he sees the whole work of life um, as this sort of, the main work of life is to come out of ourselves, he says, out of the little dark prison we are all born into. And he sees, you know, sexuality as, um, as an appetite, which in lawful use, kind of in, in boundaried use, leads the individual outside of himself to complete himself in that of another. And so sort of this idea of, of part of our sexuality, part of this journey that we're on is to come out of ourselves. Um, and just even as humans to come out of ourselves and connect meaningfully with others. And he said, the danger of masturbation, the danger of, of porn, he didn't speak about porn, but he talked a lot about fantasy. The danger of it is that we withdraw into ourselves, that we slip back into ourselves. And, um, and he said, you know, the danger is actually coming to love the prison, you know, that we, we get imprisoned in our own self and cut off from others. And I, I think, you know, like thinking about shame, you know, and pornography too. I think shame and pornography really want to keep us in our prison. They want to, it wants to keep us from being known. It wants to keep us from having that powerful life giving connection that we were created for. And, you know, and, and this is a big shift. Um, you know, I, I got asked the other day why I named, uh, uh, Rev Rev Group Coaching. Why I named it Rev? Like, what does Rev stand for? And Rev simply was the word revolution. It was short for revolution. And what's the revolution? The revolution is this: when you're dealing with porn, when you're isolated, when you're cut off, when you're stuck in shame, the last thing, the counterintuitive thing to do is get in a group and tell everyone about your problem, <laughs> right? You know, we, we want to, we want a, um, we want a fix that has that, that where there's no shame, where there's no, um, <laughs> where no one, 
where no one, you know, <laughs> has to know. Um, I think I heard this quote, you know, I think it might've been Nate Larkin who said something like, you know, we have this personal problem and we want a personal solution. You know, that's kind of the way we, we approach this thing. But the big revolution is that the, the, the way that we get to freedom is by being known. Porn and shame want to keep us alone, but freedom comes from being fully known. And so any of the behaviors, whether it's agreeing with shame, whether it's going into prolonged fantasy, whether it's, you know, edging, going to, you know, going to porn, going to porn websites, whatever the ritual is for you, anything that pushes us back into ourselves, that turns us back into the prison of ourself, is dangerous, is to be avoided at all costs. Part of being porn free, part of letting go of shame is, is being known, is going into that place of, of, you know, a vulnerability, going into that place of exposure, not for humiliation, not to make us feel more shame, but to, to create a pathway for freedom, to create a new transparency, a chance where our needs can be revealed along with our desires, along with our addiction, along with our wounds, where it all comes to the surface, where people can see the real us and mirror it back to us and encourage the good in us. Porn and shame want to keep us alone. But freedom comes from being fully known. All right, guys. Well, we'll get together next week and we're going to talk about relapsing. And we've talked about relapsing before, but we're going to talk about it in this concept of, in, in this uh, way of how successful guys overcoming, how, over, how successful guys overcome relapse. And uh, and then in the following weeks, we'll do boredom and we'll finish it up with edging. The goal for this series is to get you ready for 2019. Um, If you're listening to this at the end of 2018, you know, this is the message I want to get across to you guys. These are the ideas I want to get across so you can start making 2019 the year that you go porn free for good that you eliminate those relapses, that you eliminate um, those slips, that you eliminate those places where you turn back into yourself and cut off connection from others. So guys, this week, take hope and take action. Be good.